Hello and welcome to the Tavern Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tenkar, your bartender in the OSR, and this is another of our fireside chats with the designers and makers in the gaming community. Today, I have uh, Courtney known as uh, Hack and Slash on our Discord server. Courtney, welcome. Hi, uh, my name is Courtney Campbell. I'm I run the blog Hack and Slash. I stream on Twitch as Agonark Artist. I'm a full-time working writer and illustrator. I have a book coming out uh, probably in about 60 days from Autark called Irie of the Dread Eye. It's a mid to high level adventure in the vein of Dwellers of the Forgotten City. And uh, I have a book from Lamentations coming out very soon called um, In a Deadly Fashion about uh, a mysterious series of murders in Seville. And I'm working on another project for Lamentations in my own Mega Dungeon zine and blog. And man, there's just a lot of ways to get in touch with me and follow what I'm doing and give me money and attention and all that stuff. I'm online and, and here and doing D&Z stuff nearly every day of the week. That is awesome. You see, and it's, you're, you're, you've got, see, what I like is, You've got yourself going in multiple directions. In other words, working with multiple companies, doing your own stuff. And I, I be honest with you, I think that's the secret to uh, success in our corner of the universe is to get any, your finger in multiple pies. Any working creative needs multiple streams of income. Definitely. But, you know, I'm, I, we'll, 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 we'll touch upon that after we get through our initial uh, grounding questions and get into the hex crawl. Uh, but yes, you are definitely right with that. All right, so we're going to start with the uh, the five questions and uh, and move on from there. Courtney, uh, tell us about your first RPG experience. Well, I, I was um, I guess my first one where I was invested. Um, my my father would go over and play with his friends on the weekends, and and the kids would all be in the room, and we'd watch, you know. What is it, those bad R-rated 80s comedies? Oh, my God, like Porky's? Yeah, yeah, stuff like that would be on the TV, and we'd play Dungeon or some other board game, you know, for five-year-olds, six-year-olds or whatever. But um, he went to, we went to Walton's Books and got a copy of the Player's Handbook and sat down and flipped through it together. And I mean, that drawing of the Paladin in Hell is pretty formative, I think. It is, and uh, my player's handbook. For some reason, that that page like has like half of it is washed out. Like all the ink didn't properly uh, hit the page, but I cherish it just so much more because it's it's kind of like unique. Right? My my paladin was a little washed. Yeah, my the the book we the player's handbook we got. It's sitting right next to me. I mean, you know, it's so many like like wow 35 years on or something but you know i still have it so yeah it's good oh yeah i, I never got rid of my uh initial trilogy of books could not it, it defines you in a lot of ways well i mean me certainly i don't know that there's that many people who live breathe and sleep D, but i was that guy right uh but you're talking to another one of those guys so yeah I can relate. My 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 wife looks at my gaming collection, which takes parts of uh, three rooms, and will probably start taking up a f part of a fourth room. And uh, she doesn't request that I get rid of anything unless it's a duplicate, and that will probably take a while. 
I, I'm actually a minimalist. I don't, I don't, um, I mean, what that basically means is I'm not interested in the accumulation of material goods and anything I have that I don't use in about six months, I try and get rid of. And when I get new things, I try and get rid of. Now, this was working great until I have a six-year-old and now it doesn't work so good anymore. <laughs> oh, God. I, I my, my son is 25, but my niece is eight and she's already talking about inheriting this podcast. When, when she gets older. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my daughter also has many plans that I'm, I'm concerned somewhat with their uh, tenability moving forward. We'll see. Yeah. I, I, I caught her the other weekend when she was over sitting down next to me. All of a sudden I hear, this is Pinky Tenkara, and you're listening to Tavern Chat. And I went, where the heck did that come from? She's like, well, uncle, you're going to get old at some point, and somebody's going to have to take over. I was like, oh my God. Sweet, but scary at the same time. Uh, all right. I'm going to go on to the next question. Now, what is your go to RPG system and why? Well, man, I got to tell you, uh, I got my own clone uh, perdition uh, that I've written, and everybody out there should feel free to purchase. It's got illustrations from Russ Nicholson and uh, a cover art from Matthew Adams, and um, I got a great interior artist to do a lot of surrealistic line drawings, and it's got writing from Arnold Kemp from Goblin Punch, uh, and it, it, it's a it's a BX core. Like, BX is what, what I play. It's what I like. I... Uh, I have my own set of house rules or whatever, but, you know, 5e, BX, Axe, I kind of rotate, be first edition, I kind of rotate between those. Um, they all end up being the game I'm running anyway, right? Yeah, well, pretty much, I, I find that no matter what OSR system I'm running, it has the same house rules, so... Uh... Yeah, I, I'm very impressed uh, with Adventure Conqueror King, and... Um, you know, like it, it feels very comfortable to me because I think, uh, in a way that that like a a practicing lawyer uh, would design a system that would appeal to me. Um, I'm also quite amazed how Alex seems to make everybody in the world um, think he's the devil. That was always very entertaining for me. <laughs> nice. All right. So since you're uh, to a large part. Uh... A BX uh, individual, like racist class, yay or nay? Yeah, I'm in. I'm a fan of it. I, there's a ping there. Is that me or is that you? No, fear? that's 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 that that ping is 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 my phone. Okay, yeah. Um, I I'm a I'm a fan of racist class. The thing is, is that I I mechanically encourage people to pick humans in my games because I have a real I mean, like, it's difficult to, whatever. Like, if I'm running a 5e game with people who just want to hang out, I, I, they can all be, like, bug people or cat people or whatever else. But, um, like, the thing about non-human races is they're not human. Right. And people play them as humans with funny hats. And so racist class kind of puts a kibosh on that. And uh, I always do the old BX or Axe style where every player has basically an individual class based on their their character, you know. Well, I love how Axe covers that. Uh, the, the way they use uh, racist uh, class. 
Holmes had like uh, an American Indian and like a werebear and like he an Eskimo. He just wrote up classes for all those things. Like if you wanted to be something, he just made a class up. Yeah, it works. It works well. And what I love with Axe too is the Axe uh, Player's Companion, which allows you to design your own. Yeah, class. It's a good book. It is. I have it. It's true. It, it it's solid, and you can use that if you wanted to with other OSR systems with minor tweaking. It's a great grounding if you want to uh, play with it like that. Okay. Well, where do you stand on uh, Save or Die? Oh, yeah. What are you playing? Are we, like, here's the thing I don't understand about D&D is that it's a game, right? Like, it's explicitly a game. You take a turn. You move distances. There's a series of procedures to handle what happens next. Like, you take turns. It's a game. It's not a board game because the board is infinite, but without question it's a game and like if you if you are doing something then you're making a choice and sometimes those choices have consequences and if you make a poor choice instead of just being like oh you're dead you get a chance to not be dead that's 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 what the save is and if you don't like it then we can just get rid of it and you could just instantly die i I don't understand why anybody would not like save or die because the other option is just die i like that that's the first time i've seen that perspective on it everybody else is like and even the meat, to some extent, is that it, it's dangerous if it's overused. It can make you feel, uh, as, as a player, beyond what? just vulnerable. But I like the idea. You're taking it the way that the option is, if you didn't have a save, you would just be dead. As yeah. I, people saying, you're putting me in a situation where I have to save or die. It's like you're you're flipping it, and that's that's yeah. The mistake's already been made. Like you're getting right. a chance to not be dead. The, the, I'm a I'm a student of like the 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 old style of play, right? Like that's what I enjoy the the open tables, the sandboxes, the mega dungeons, and and one of the things that people didn't realize is that D and D was a very uh, chunky, explicit game in its early stages. Like Gygax did cumulative fall damage, right? If you fall 30 feet, he would roll, you know, 1d6 plus 2d6 plus 3d6, 66 exactly. damage for you. Right. This, yeah. was, this was one of the strengths of the monk, is that the monks were immune to that falling damage. Like he put things in there, like the there were only like four damage types, right? Like lightning and fire, and a lot of monsters had specific responses to those. And of course, because of tactical infinity and creativity, it blew up way beyond that. But the core of the game it, are these carefully balanced decision points and choices and risk versus reward management. And it's your job as a DM to present that. And without the mechanism of save versus die, you don't have any sort of safety catch on things that are instantly lethal. I like that. Uh, that, that is, it, it is, again, others that I've spoken with, including myself, come at it from the other side, but your side puts that, your vision of it, puts that in a, a lot of different light than uh, uh, I think many people are accustomed coming to the save or die mechanic. Well, if you, if you like my way of thinking, I've got a blog where I've written several million words about Dungeons and Dragons. You guys should feel free to check out at Hack and Slash. I will include it in the show notes. All right. Last question before we start free ranging. Uh, what would the teenage youth think of or think if they could see what you would accomplish in a hobby? I think be pretty happy. I was busy. I was busy um, playing vampire and uh, hooking up with goth chicks. I think when I was when it was in the nineties, right? Like that's when D and D was dead. The they had buried it. Um, 
Bloom, uh, the Bloom brothers and all that stuff. And so, you know, I was hoping Garfield was carrying the torch, but we weren't playing D&D. We were playing Vampire. Interesting. So I guess the Vampire playing you versus the uh, old school gamer that you are now. A little juxtapositioning going on. No, no. I mean, like, first of all, I was a teenager, so of course you're going to experiment with dangerous things like narrative systems. Okay. And then, um, then there's this substantial allure of women, and I'll tell you, it was way easier to hook up after a vampire game than it was a D and D game. So that was a huge motivator at the time. Is that vampire was very popular with um, uh, with the girls. So yeah, that was that was definitely part of the motivation. Um, but he gave me insight. Like I, I just want you guys to know that that like I was posting on the internet back in in 94 and 95 um, on rec games, fantasy role-playing advocacy. Like you can find me uh, really? way, way back at the Genesis on mailing lists and on Usenet talking about, I mean, this has just been me. It's always been me. I've been always concerned at writing and talking about D and D and gaming. And the vampire gave me a, a perspective on what actually happens in a long-term, strongly narrative driven game compared to, you know, just playing a game and not knowing the outcome and having the characters, you know, engage in the style of play. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am today without it. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, and now we've gone on to our uh, our, our free-ranging, our, our hex crawl. You brought up something earlier that I wanted to touch upon, and that is uh, multiple income streams if you want to make pretty much any kind of I don't know it's about substantial but to have a constant uh, income stream coming in you need to diversify where it's coming from if you're going to be a creator in this hobby I, I think there's two things that people don't realize um, through there and I often find it's jealousy or anger um, nobody is getting rich like I live I live slightly above the poverty line and I work 50 hour weeks granted my work is often getting up and talking to people online or designing D and D adventures or doing art. But without question, there's like, uh, you're paying for that. Like I, there's no stability in a lifestyle like this. Like I had to cash in some of my 401ks and savings to set myself up and there's always a risk, you know, I'm depending on external payment processors, uh, PayPal, Patreon, my bank, Amazon, any one of these people could screw me at any time. I, you have to have a safety net. The other thing that people don't understand is, do you like being alone for 12 hours a day working hard on a project without being interrupted? And I don't think logistically a lot of people actually enjoy writing or creating. They, they, they set themselves goals, like I've got to force myself to do this. Well, look, if, if that you're never going to be like the people who are successful aren't successful because they're brilliant. They're successful because they compulsively can't stop working. Right. And and if that's not you, then, I mean, I don't have any problem if you want to engage in a little magical thinking or tell yourself a little narrative about how you're going to do something one day. But if you're not already producing, you know, a thousand words and dozens of pages of content because your mind won't sit still, I don't really know how you're going to make a living at it. You know, you need to, you need to just be so productive in order just to just to meet your your basic living requirements. And and I'm I'm an adult. I have the same taxes. 
like, you know, child support's like four grand a year. Taxes is like three or four grand a year. You got to have housing and then, you know, budget. Like you just, you just got to be working all the time and you never really get ahead. But who cares? Because eventually you're going to be dead and you might as well be doing something you love. Uh, and, you know, and, and that's a very valid point. I, I consider myself lucky that I had a career that allowed me to retire for 20 years. And now I can do this stuff, the podcast, the blog, some creativity, very diversified stuff that I do. But I can, I, I can do that and not have to do the nine to five grind. And even with that, I, again, like you, multiple income streams and it's Amazon drive through create space, uh, humble bundle, Patreon, uh, this, the, this podcast, the flip card, you did the flip card ad for this podcast, right? Yes. Well, uh, actually Flipboard is no longer running and now it's probably just an anchor, uh, ad going and that's, uh, it's, it's a penny a listen, but you know what you're, even if you're not looking to make a living off the hobby, but if you want to make any money off the hobby, you got to be active. And you got to be diversified in your income streams because you don't know if, like you said, one of them's going to have a hiccup. And yeah, no, it, w- not- without question, it's political, right? Like, mm-hmm. like on so many different levels. I stream on Twitch, right? Now, w- what that means is, is I get an income stream for Twitch, but so does Bezos, and he's not paying me anything. Uh, so, like, there's worker protections that that are not in place for artists or creatives and it takes huge political forces like Hollywood to even be able to get anything like an actor's guild or a voice actor's guild. And you can still see we're addressing those inequities when, uh, digital, um, imaging and production firms for movies aren't getting paid and people are uh, not getting residuals on their voiceover actings and video games. And, you know, like I'm working for Twitch and I'm getting an income from that, but they're not, it's not substantial, but they're, they're also taking at least as much as I am. You know, I often think a lot of the payment processors are taking a huge percentage for doing very little work. Um, and you see that a lot in the role-playing field because they're basically gamers, not business people. And so they carry that non-professional attitude into their business dealings. I've been thankful that drive through RPG is a little more professional than I think the average uh, outfit, but you do see it a lot. Are, are, are your experiences similar? I don't know. Um, I, I've, I've watched a lot, and I've seen things where people have been, not in our hobby yet, but people have been removed from Patreon, people have been removed from YouTube, and not necessarily for something that they did on that platform, but something that might have been said elsewhere. And um, I, I find that for the most part, drive through is apolitical. Um, I really haven't seen them remove anybody for... They don't, uh, like, they don't like the British guy, Grim Jim, what's his name? Oh, uh, oh, you know, like I, I like him fine. I've talked to him before. He seems like yeah. a nice, reasonable person who's like a Socrates. Like his shtick is, is he likes to do puerile and offensive stuff to fuck with people, which you know I support. Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm good with that. But they, I think they don't like him in particular. He has had like an above average ban rate, I think, on the website. Oh, I think uh, Jim Grim Jim Desboro. Desboro, that's his Desboro. Uh, you know what he called me on the uh, the 
podcast he does with the pundit and uh, Wenger. Uh, ten no, cars. ah, <laughs> Tankar is so neutral; it's uh, pathological. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, like, okay, first of all, everybody, like, I, I don't know, I, I've, I've really, I made a post a couple of months back about how I was dropping out. Uh, basically, the thing is, is everybody's an asshole to everybody else. Like, like, you know, and and, and don't take this personally, but like, you're an asshole to Stacy. Stacy's an asshole oh, to yeah. you. Zach's an asshole to this person. You know, like Raggy's an asshole to this person. All these people are one of Alex is an asshole. And and you you know, like I'm I'm in, I'm in an intersection of this where like I'm not involved in any of it. But when I talk to all those people, everybody's pretty justified. They all have good reasons for what. But you know, when I worked in psych, the one thing they always taught us was that you know, even the guy robbing a bank has a good reason. You know, and like at, at some point, like you just got to work with these people. So what do you do? Like, like, I don't have to personally agree with you or every decision you make or whatever your politics are. I got a, I got a, I got a kid. Like my, my thing is producing art and taking care of my kid. I don't have time for all that drama. And it is, it is just so, I like I've had people, they just, they're so vehement. Like people are very angry and they're threatening. And then uh, it's, there's it's very power plays and everything else. And, and all I see is, you know, after working in social work for so long, all I see is a lot of people who are, who are upset, who are hurt and they do a lot of lashing out. And, and I wish it could be more peaceful, but you know, I think variety is a spice of life and people aren't going to agree. And um, I am make sure in my own personal life, to volunteer and donate my time politically and to stand up if I see any inappropriate behavior. I mean, I managed milieus in psych facilities for decades. So like if I'm running a game and somebody is being inappropriate in that game to another person, then I'm going to step up and address it. I mean, that's what I did for a job for 20 years. So like all I can do is my own actions. And then it's very upsetting when people are like unwilling to participate or take a side in the, the culture war. And um, man, the culture was just bullshit. Oh yeah, it it it's it's it is a, a shit show um, to a large extent, and that's 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 it. It's a shit show, and yeah. like all I want to do is make books and also be a person. Like there's an integration, right? Like other than Piers Anthony, who's a degenerate pedophile, I had no insight into what the authors of the books I was reading when I grew up were. And, and, and now you can't know about a book without knowing more about the author due to their brand on media, right? On social media. And so that's, that's where the conflict is. It's a new way of being. And at some point you have to decide how are you going to move forward? And the best way to do that is to stay for me. I think the drama is like a cottage industry. Like it can, there's enough people who are interested in it that can support you, but it's not a road to uh, creative excellence. And so that's where I'm focused. I'm focused on producing something that are, that's just going to make people talk about it. That's what I want to do. I want to. They're going to look at it. They're going to go, "Holy shit!" That's my goal. And I think when you get distracted from that, when you get political, it just. It's not that things don't need to be done. It's that. Uh, I'm going to focus on doing what I need to do and not taking sides and and going back and forth. I want to continue here for just one second. I'm so sorry. Uh, I recently went through a breakup with my ex and we had, um, 
mediation and all this stuff. And what I learned through it was, is, you know, I had this big list of things she had done and she had, nobody wants to get into any of that shit. Nobody cares about the whys and the wherefores. What the lawyers want is lawyers want something written down and a plan moving forward because that stuff, you never get into the bottom of it. You just have hurt feelings. And so what I would do is I, what I want to do is I want to be progressive and constructive and move forward. So that's where I am with all the drama and everything else, because there's a lot of it, man. Oh, and there's a huge amount of drama. And, and I'll be honest with you, that is why the Discord server and the Facebook community are neutral grounds. And when they say neutral grounds, it doesn't mean that you should have no personal opinions. Everybody has personal opinions. No, they're, they're, and and, you say they're neutral grounds, but they, they can't be. Like, I had people who have privately contacted me whose names, if I said you would, if nobody could fail to know who they are. And they're like, right. we've noticed you're on 10 cars server. Have you considered that if you're on a server with, and these were the names that were mentioned, Venger oh, I, and Alex, I, I, that, that it's going to be okay. And I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to run a business. Like, I, if they're going to, like, I can't control who else is in the fucking mall. Like, well, you I, need I, I, to, you need to talk to them. Like, I'm, I'm sorry you would like me. I, I'm not in a position where I can afford to do things like just dismiss people because they don't agree with their politics. And, and that's first off, I know the person in question that that uh, messaged you on that one because maybe I mean, like uh, it's just everybody's in this thing, right? And I have my own experiences, right? Like my own personal things people have done to me or that I've seen that make me feel certain ways. But at, at some point, I'm just like, what am I doing? What, what good is it doing me to lash out, right? Like, that's not me. That's not my job. I think, you know, like, nobody would be talking about the Gale thing at all in our community if you weren't covering it, right? But right. it's not, or, and, and like, take, take um, Far West. Makes me so angry inside my head. But what do I have to gain? Like, that's not my my role as a blog. Nobody wants to come to my blog and hear me complaining about, you know, Gareth. And, and like, it's just, it's, it's, it's a personal thing and I gain nothing by doing it, but that's not my focus. You know, I'm not news, you're news, right? Right. Well, some extent, but when I say it's a neutral ground, what it means is that we don't discuss politics or social issues on it. It also means that I'll be honest with you. If I, if I personally don't like you and like Zach Smith, we don't get along flat out. We don't. (laughs) Well, I mean, some people are just different than other people and i think that that is something i didn't get that when i was a kid everybody's the same but it turns out people are legitimately very different not only between each other now but between now and a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago like like and people people are wired they're wired differently everybody yes yeah i learned that as a police officer that you can't address each person the same way. You have to find out how you need to deal with the individual. Yes. Because I could say, you know, if, if I'm speaking, excuse me, sir, in a certain neighborhood, uh, I, I'll get ignored. They'll go, yo, my man, can I have words with you? Even though I'm the white guy, I somehow make a connection with the person and we can have a conversation. Yes, so it's cultural. It, 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 you know, it's the same thing. I had to get specific training when I went to Alaska to deal with the Yupik population. You have to understand that, that people are genuinely different in ways that you can't even conceive and be open to that. You know, every, you know what I said, I, we were talking about it the other day. 
um, today is the degeneracy of the past writ large. Like whatever we're doing today, a hundred years ago, somebody said it would lead to the end of society. And it did. Their society isn't around and now we have a new one. That's what happens every 30 years is there's a bunch of new people and they change everything. And I think getting worked up and upset about that, I mean, it, it shows a certain uh, local, provincial, like, like, narcissistic sort of attitude that takes you out of, say, the entire history of the world. We've been around for 12,000 years. I mean, we have some data. Oh, yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I think the change happens even quicker now because of technology and oh, no question. technology change between generations. When, when I was a kid, you would have to wait until Monday morning to call the Library of Congress if you didn't know something and you wanted to know it. That was the answer. You had to call them and hope they got it and you couldn't do it until business hours on Monday morning. Now, it takes 18 seconds for somebody to find the name of that actor and his entire whatever, because we have access to the sum total. Like there's much less bullshit in the world today. And it's like people reacted so badly to that, they retreated into bullshit safe spaces. Well, I don't know if it's less bullshit. I think you have access now to, to, to bullshit and non-bullshit and at the end but if you have access to so much information that that it can be overwhelming to some people and that's why i think people silo themselves off a lot of times and well, I, I i disagree with that when i was a kid we went to school people would lie about the things they had done in video games or they would tell stories about something that happened in a movie that didn't happen and now you cannot make a claim even in like second grade without being fact-checked by eight people with smartphones. I, I do think that there is genuinely more uh, information and the information is distributed better and things are, I mean, in my opinion anyway, it seems like there's a lot less bullshit now than there was 30 years ago. Well, see, when you're saying, when you're saying bullshit, see, our definition of bullshit is a little bit different. When I'm saying bullshit, I'm talking about... It's like the bullshit attitude. I think people act a lot more like bullshit. And now we're stuck with this whole uh, idea of fake news where where you can't sometimes even parse what is legitimately right and which is not. Which you know, that's, that's very interesting because I think the issue about false news is a lot about the issue of who has the right to set the narrative. Like yes. it used to be, you know, Cronkite, I don't know if... I assume most of your audience is older. So when I say concrete, you know, like that's an, that's an example of somebody providing neutral news. Walter Conkite was a, was a newscaster in the sixties and seventies for those who don't know. So like he, he would just state facts and it would be as neutral and non-spin as possible. But I think some of the thing about false news is combating the fact that everyone Everyone who's in interested in incorporating people within a system of control has a very strong narrative. And, like, we can't trust the narratives of today because, like, in the 70s, they were telling mothers not to drink breast milk and to feed their kids formula. If you think they're not as wrong about as many things today, they're wrong about less. They've learned a lot more. But there's just new things they don't know anything about. Like, the idea that the, it's so arrogant to me to think that everything we know today is correct when if you look at any period in history, you can very plainly see that's not true. So whenever yeah. anybody's talking about how this is a fact or this is a narrative or they try and shut you down when you're trying to have any sort of nuanced or detailed discussion, 
then that has more to do with them than it has to do with the issue itself, I think. It has to do with their fear and their desire to be accepted within that system of control and how much of it makes up their psyche. And you gain nothing by interacting with those people. So I think it's 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 certainly a very complicated issue. And attempts to boil it down to... to Aphorisms doesn't really work because the whole point is, is that things are actually um, kind of uh, abstract, debatable, uncertain. And, you know, like what for reality, like nobody, nobody knows what reality is. Go take some mescaline. Go take some, 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 what's the one from the peyote, the psychocyblin, you know, go do that and tell me that, you know, whatever you were saying before, nobody knows shit. Oh God! You, you, it, this is one of the uh, I think most interesting conversations I've participated. I'm very in. confrontational, but you know, but it isn't confrontational because, to be honest with you, we're to me confrontational means that two of us want to button heads and we're not. We're 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 more in agreement than anything else, but we are certainly discussing, and I think that is something that uh, is often lost uh, in. In today, in, in not today's generation, but at least on the internet, a lot. It's a lot of people talking past each other, at best, or yeah, or again, talking at like, each other. If part of your psyche is wrapped up in the system of control that you follow, uh, your narrative, your story, whatever it is, then you're gonna defend it because anytime anybody says anything contrary to it, it creates dissonance, and you don't like the dissonance, and you really like the way the thing you think makes you feel, and like to what end? Like a hundred thousand years from now, to what end are you getting upset about? Because whatever we're afraid about today, it will happen. Like time is not stopping. There yeah. will be hundreds of thousands of years. Like if you're scared that gay people are gonna fuck toasters or whatever, I guarantee you, if you go far enough down the human timeline, it's happening, and it's not gonna cause the end of society. Like, like it was. It, that's an absurd thing, of course. It, one of my conservative friends when I worked at the hospital was like. Um, anti-gay marriage. And I was like, you you can't make the argument you're making because they're talking about consenting adults. But like, that was a thing that he feared. And whatever it is that you fear, like, if you can imagine it, someday it's going to happen. So maybe you should be a little less certain and a little more uh, curious is is my my, my uh, philosophy. Yeah, I, I, again, after 20 years of law enforcement, I learned that there are very few absolutes in the world. Um, anybody who looks at the world in just uh, shades of black, just black and white, uh, the world is full of gray. It might be dark gray. It might be light gray. It's true. It's something. true. There are there are some there are some things like you're going to pay taxes, and the other one is never talk to the police without a lawyer. Yeah, uh, that that is true. And it, and on top of that, uh, never trust a lawyer. No, I disagree. Like I pay my lawyer, and that's uh, I, I can trust her. Like that's right. because I yeah. pay her. That's what that means. I, and and I, like I know lawyers, and I work with them, and they're just so clear. Like you, you say that, but like I know what I'm getting into with the lawyer. If the if if the lawyer is working for you, yes, you you can trust them because I know why a New like, York cop wouldn't like a lawyer. Let's say there's some personal feelings here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, listen, uh, all, all I know is my deposition for the $2 million lawsuit must have gone okay because I never heard from it again. But, uh... So you're emotionally wrapped up in some of these things, yeah, right? Yeah, like, like, like I want to talk about, I want to talk about Gale and Far West. Like, those seem to be your bugaboos. You seem to be very concerned about them. At this point, I, I kind of feel like, like, like it's clear 
with far less that it's whatever. Oh, <laughs> I, how can you? I mean, like at some point, you just have to be like, he fucked it up. He's not doing it. We got to give up the ghost. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you. If, if uh, Gareth had fallen the sword, I'd be happy as a pig and shit because it's closure, and that's fine. I'll, I'll piss my one fifty away, and 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 be done with it. That's pretty much uh, the Ken Whitman deal when Ken when Ken was finally served with his lawsuit, and then Ken finally admitted that he was a fuck up, and this is what happened to the disc that had the Knights of the Dinner Table live action series. This is why I I I, I was never able to finalize the uh, you know. Uh, the film and actually put it out fall on the sword if Gareth falls on the sword and starts playing this game first off he'll he'll be happier because he won't have to go through the drama of making an update every month or two saying what he's not done and the backers will be able to go yay F you and then walk away as opposed yeah, to yeah. as opposed to right right now it is like <sighs> How long can I keep the wolf at the door away? How long? How long can I hide behind this? The wolf's not going to go away on Garrett. That's the whole thing. It'll go away once the wolf sees there's nothing left. But as long as he keeps playing it out, that's what we have. Now the Gale thing, and as you saw, I had a reporter that wanted to uh, talk to me uh, about the Gale thing, but the reporter didn't want the investigation that I did into the fund and, and as I've been quick to point out, I look at the fund because the fund is nonprofit publicly funded. Uh, it's donations. Uh, the trust, which, which manages Gary's IP, uh, Gary left it to Gail. Uh, last I heard if Gail passes, her sister inherits. And that is a private issue. I don't touch it. If you know, the guy acts, uh, siblings, have an interest in it that's not even my business i've had a lot of people want me to dig into that there's nothing to dig into she owns it it is what it is but when you're dealing with almost a quarter of a million dollars of money that was donated by which of the coast and, yeah that's the issue it's like what happened to the bricks well uh, every once in a while she has the issue of come uh we're going to be selling bricks soon bricks never got sold I think the I, I think the the main issue with the fund isn't even so much that we don't have a statute yet. I, I look at it as one of the statements that it has on its tax returns every year is that this money is uh, raised for educa also educational purposes and to uh, start a fund to give out scholarships. Now, I, I don't believe there's ever been a scholarship given over the seven or eight years that this fund's been in existence and that even if you're just doing a if the fund earned one percent a year interest that would be a two thousand dollars in scholarship you could do every year show something that the fund is doing i i don't think that there are necessarily improprieties happening with the fund i do think it's poorly managed i i yeah it, it's just like she doesn't she doesn't understand the amount of people that are invested in what she's got i think like 10 million people are seriously all about it and to her it's just something her ex-husband has that she has to manage right right and she hasn't been able like a part of the issue too is that she is fighting with uh the uh, lake geneva city council over the actual placement of this monument and she wants it to be at this corner of the spot of the park where Gary and his dog used to sit and, you know, he, I guess, like feed the birds and look at the water. And they have an, 
they have another place they have this designated for it where they have other monuments. You're asking the city to give you a location. You're pretty much going to be stuck with their location because they don't have to give you what you want. Right. It's it's the it's the city. You should talk. They're in charge. It's the government. That's how that works. But uh, you know, initially when I looked into this, um, and it was because uh, somebody that. I guess was initially involved in getting the fun going, uh, pointed me in the direction. Um, my issue when I first looked at it, it was like, there was a, if you looked at the fund and the people involved in it, there was a page of like 30 people listed video choreographer, designer. And I started reaching out to people and they're like, I, I, I did what I'm listed where? So this page with like 30 people on it got trimmed down to like seven after I pointed it out because I hate to say it, it was like doing a, it, it was like, it was like fluffing up a pillow. They wanted to look a bit, you know, more active. No, and without question, there are a bunch of bad actors in the industry and they need journalists to do, like, it's the Catalyst Labs thing all over again. Like, they just stole a million and a half dollars from women and children and use it to build a house. And everybody's like, it's okay. They just get to do that. And you're like, Son of a bitch, really? And, you know, you do the research on it, and then it's just like you can't do anything about it. They're just going to break the law, and it's not really, like, it's spread out among so many different people. You just got to be like, you got to talk about it. You got to be like Catalyst Labs, you know, screwed over these people this way. You got to realize they got a lot of unpaid labor working for them, and they're taking advantage of it. You just, what else can you do, right, other than note it and let it happen? and, And the thing is, I think when it comes to Kickstarters, you have the failures because uh, the people have no business sense. You have uh, Quantum, which was early on my Kickstarter back and when uh, Joshua Frost uh, launched his Kickstarter. It funded. The game looked interesting. And then three months later, he's kickstarting a supplement for it. But the primary book is nowhere near its shipping date. And I, my mind was already going, is why are you, why, why are you doing this? It sounds like a Ponzi scheme. Well, it was because neither one actually produced because he put his money into uh, making it a business and renting an office and hiring a staff before he had anything to put out. Mike Neistel. Yeah, gamers, not business people. It's a consistent problem in our field. Uh, Mike Neistel, who literally did like the Ponzi scheme of of Kickstarters, he fell on the sword and said, you know what? Um, I'm a decent creator, but I am uh, I'm not a businessman. And. Uh, I am incompetent, and it's my failure. Well, you know what? You fall on that sword. I, I can't fault you for that. The biggest thing you can do, the biggest thing you can uh, and say in this industry is, you know what? I fucked up. I, I was, I was wrong, and uh, all, all I can do is, is fall on the sword and, and admit to my faults. Now you got to be fair. Gagax warned us about that one, right? Like Nistel's Magicara is right in the <laughs> player's handbook, and it says it says it makes a non-magical item look magical. Magical. But he's going to yeah. run two Kickstarters for something that's. I mean, it sounded nice. I, th- you know, my friends are like, "Why don't you run a Kickstarter?" And it's like because I want shit to be done before you start it. Yeah, I, I've I've had people uh, look to involve me in their Kickstarters, and. I, I I did an adventure for one Kickstarter a, a while back, but I've seen enough of them to know that, listen, if you go into it and you have your stuff done, like, 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 
when Joe Block is on his Kickstarters, everything's been written. He's just funding for the art. The, the more money he gets out of Kickstarter, the more art you're going to have. That That's fine. That's great. But when it's somebody who, uh, listen, like Gareth. Gareth came into this with a great idea. Um, and he had nothing written. He planned on having this thing in print six months after funding. I I I I know the timeline. He very knows well. he knows better than that. At some point, it has to do with the general assessment of functioning. It has to do with their ability to 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 plan and 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 he knew you anybody who's a, a freelancer knows you're not going to put out uh, a core rule book in six months if it's not written. You're right, and on top of that, he's the same individual who prior to that had the Buckaroo Banzai license. He took pre-orders for Buckaroo Banzai. And here we are, I don't know, probably 10 years after uh, pre-orders for Bunker Rubanzai, some other company has the license, but he's not said jack shit about it. I, people are out that money. I'm hesitant to judge because, like, the way, you know, the way the writing works is you have a low baseline income and then a couple of times a year you get a huge advance. And if you need right. money and, and, like, the housing, I can see people you know, taking things and planning to get it done, but not having the capabilities to do so, which is why I'm so vigilant about not doing that. Right. Like I, I think it's, I think it's an imperative and surely they must carry that with them. Right. Like, like it's going to haunt them forever. If not through their customer base, you know, personally he has to come to terms with it on some level. And the term he's coming to isn't, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a person who's incapable of planning. He's going to come up with any sort of justification or rationalization. People don't like thinking that they're bad or feel, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, how yeah. many times have you arrested somebody and they're going to tell you a story about how they had a really good fucking reason for robbing that person or stealing that car or, you know, whatever. They all got reasons, man. Yeah. Like, like and, 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 you know, and sometimes you get a reason, you know, like, they're like, oh, officer, you know, I was buying. I wasn't buying the weed for me. I was buying it for my for my fiance. And you're like, yeah, bullshit. And then you get the phone number, and it's outside the city, so I can't even call from a work phone. I got to call from my cell phone. See, this is what I'm saying. And, and those you, people you, shouldn't be listen. talking to you. They should yeah. get a lawyer. Like, why are you saying anything to the police? I just don't understand <laughs> it. But it, it wound up being that you know, uh, I, I I notified his fiance who worked for Sony at the time. She actually had like uh, a secretary. And I had, I, had, I had to do the like social engineering just to get through without saying who I was because I didn't want to announce it. And I got the fiance and I said, listen, I have what's his name? And he, I'm in the 401 precinct in the Bronx. And she went, oh, my God, he was buying it for me. I go, listen, he already told me that. I'm just letting you know it's the weekend. He might be in overnight. It's not a huge charge. I'll, I'll do what I can to, to get him you know, processed quickly. Tell him I love him. And I'm like, uh huh. So I get back and I, I tell him I talk. He goes, and, and uh, he's like, did she, did she say anything else? I'm like, dude, you don't want me to repeat it. Because he just sat with other people. He's like, no, no. She told me to tell you that she loves you. So, of course, now everybody else who, who's arrested is going, oh, sweet. It's because they're insecure with their masculinity. If they oh, like themselves enough, they, they would be totally care. secure about being told they're loved. Yes. But, uh, but that was the rarity. That's the exception to the rule. There's always that exception to the rule. Yeah, there there are. But like everybody, like that's the thing is that everybody who ever does anything is a really good reason. And so once you understand that, you can kind of begin to have the investigation for yourself. What are my motivations? But uh, I mean, and, and 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 so like I get why 
like Ken is a Ken naturally is. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, and I can't diagnose anybody. But his pattern of behavior indicates a lack of concern for other people. He certainly seems to act uh, in several ways that are on the psychopathic index. Um, I'm not a doctor, and I get a diagnose. But then you have you have somebody who's a serial con man. He goes from one situation to another. Always portrays himself as the victim. You know, uh, is extremely manipulative with people. Complain like any time he gets caught, he always begs and talks about how he's going to do better. You see it all the time in uh, psych with criminals yep. who do who do the insanity defense, and they get sent to psych, and they're sociopaths, they're psychopaths, and they want to play the the therapists and trick everybody when really. They just have no emotional response or connection. Like that, that's that's a completely different thing. You can't you can't deal there's no constructive way to deal with that other than, you know, not getting involved in their schemes. But then a lot of these other people, I think they just they mean well and 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 things blow up on them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that with in, in Gareth's case, um he knew he set an unrealistic date, but he was confident he would get it done shortly thereafter. He was very psyched about the property. Of course, I think Far West now has been uh, used in other kind of uh, media. He wanted this to be a multimedia. He was hoping for books, and he was hoping to me- maybe even get a, uh, a direct-to-Netflix type of series out of the deal. And I, and I mean, I, you got to see that the product's good first, an idea yep. worth shit. It's the implementation. No, if, if ideas were worth money, man, I'd be a millionaire. But uh, they aren't. But I don't think Gareth came... Like Ken, I know, went into all these things with the idea... Well, I don't know, but I, I, I'm i going to... Presume no, he did. He's, just, he's, yeah. he's, he's a psychopath. That's what they do. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a find something to exploit and take advantage of, and then they do it. I mean, I don't think that it makes him a bad person. or it, Like, you just... He's sick, and he, yeah. needs to be, he needs to be on medication or helped, and, and you know... Yeah, he's the only person I know who could self-diagnose himself with uh, what? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. That was really entertaining. It's yeah. like it's like I I spent I spent fifteen years in therapy to get an accurate diagnosis, right? Like they yeah. in the first ten years, it was just like they're just trying to narrow it down. There's no way he self-diagnosed anything, right? It's like, gee, yeah, I, I thought that CTS could only be uh, diagnosed after uh, an autopsy. Mm, thank, <laughs> yeah. thank you, Ken. Right. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> you know, so like, you know, I, I, I've been threatened with legal action by uh, three people in our in our industry or a hobby. Ken was one. Uh, Gail, right. It's just a manipulation control technique. Yeah, Gail was another. But she, I was threatened with that for something I never said. It was something that was said by a commenter on the blog. Uh, that if I didn't, if I didn't uh, retract and correct, I, I could be hit with legal action for not being able to differentiate between the fund and the trust. And uh, and uh, a third party who I'm not going to mention at the moment, but not, none of the people involved. Yeah, the, the thing is, is that is that it's the people who are making legal threats aren't lawyers. Like, no, like I, I, the, the thing is, is that you let the lawyers make the legal threats. That's their job. The people who are doing it to you are doing it as a as a you know a manipulation technique. They're they're trying to control a situation that they feel threatened by. And you know. One of so, so like I'm not, I'm not, you no. you are in a position where you have where you have a platform. Uh, I I would like I would like you know 
um, I would like all of us to live together. And even with the people that we don't like to be more thoughtful and understanding of their position. I, I have had people do terrible and say terrible things to me that I don't want to get into specifics, but often mm. that are completely radically untrue, but I still love them. You know, I don't, I get that the reason that they're being that way is that they're they're suffering or they're confused or they're angry, and we could do uh, with uh, a little more hate and a little more a little less hate and a little more understanding. I think. Well, you know, and I've said this in the past. I don't have to like you to care about you. You know, it, it's it's like you have that uh, relative that is, uh, you know, a, a pure asshole, but they're still family. You still care about them, and God forbid they're. You know, they're going to a nursing home. You're going to do whatever you can to to visit and 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 be there. You don't have to, you know, like somebody to to care. And uh, hate hate is the flip flip side of love. And uh, I I think it's too strong an emotion to literally waste on somebody. Anybody. Oh, but you you definitely poke sometimes. Oh, I, like, I think I, I think that and, and trust me, you know, like did some of these people are not my favorite people, but you know, like there's some like you could you could take it you could take a more active role and not just not addressing drama, but trying to trying to be a more moderate media voice rather than one that's so I mean, don't you think so? Like I I don't think it's necessary for I think everybody should probably take a step. First of all, I've interacted with a lot of people and none of them are Nazis. And I haven't, I haven't ran into anybody who's ever expressed to me any sort of, you know, white supremacist views or anything else. So I think we can get rid of all that right there. Um, it's just, uh, there's so many hard feelings, so much anger, right? And there's no end to it if we just keep lashing out back at each other. And I would get specific, but it's not specific. It's a hundred issues over years and years and years, and there's just no unraveling all of them, right? No, you're like, not going to. And, and, and it's, uh, let's remember it too. It's, a, it's the personal baggage that all sides bring into it with them. We all have personal baggage. Sometimes we acknowledge it to ourselves. Sometimes we don't. But I, I think that on all sides, that's a lot of what comes into it. And uh, I'm trying to understand your own personal baggage probably would unravel a lot of these knots. Not all of them, you know, but it, would, it certainly wouldn't hurt. That includes me. Yeah, in, in, indeed. I just, you know, like at, at some point you have to wonder if it's going, if there's any, if there's any point to it, right? Like sometimes people just want to be mad and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm not even going to mention names, but I, I think certain people uh, have enough personal issues that there are things that they'll never get past when it comes to interacting with others. Um, that's, that is, I guess you could say, what it is. Um, and then you have people like, you know, uh, I, I certainly poked the bear with uh, Sean Fannin in the past, and... Surprisingly enough, I could say we've been isn't isn't Fannin the guy who was doing the affiliate stuff and not yes. not announcing yep. it? Is that what's going on with yeah, that? Yeah, and and Tulk said Gareth was an icon in the industry. And I had a point that that was an icon for affiliate to deliver. But Sean and I and if you want to look back that's what I'm talking about, right? Like you like I understand being personally upset by things. Like I'm personally upset by issues that I'm just never gonna bring up. But like right. like you know, you, you, you 
is it necessary for our own, you know, frustration and angst to poke at those people publicly? Like, I kind of feel like all the people that you're poking at are really suffering, right? Like, they're not, they're not in the situation they're in because their life is going well, right? They probably wouldn't be on your webpage if that were the case. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, like I said, but Sean and I are getting a little fine. Listen, if you look at Vince Florio and myself, how we started out, uh, we could have been two bulls in a china shop. And uh, I, I know Vince, but I don't know what, how your relationship or what happened with you guys. Oh, uh, that was the whole uh, uh, early stuff with Mazes and Perils. We we failed to see eye to eye on uh, certain creative issues with it and the uh, how it came to be. And a lot of it was talking past each other, which I will admit I was guilty of that at times as anybody. And Part of the issue, I think, too, was two headstrong New Yorkers, because I can I can back off a bit when I'm not dealing with another headstrong individual, but when I'm dealing with it, when I deal with a headstrong individual, I become the New York City cop. And yeah, uh, no, I hear you. I'm I'm super confrontational, if you haven't noticed, and I work very hard on. It's hard. It's it is taxing. It, it is exhausting it is. to be my friend. Like it, I I get it. Like I understand it. It's a challenge personally to keep that keep that in. <laughs> But uh, yeah, some people that I, I've I've butted heads with, I I get along with right now. Vince, I consider a good friend. Um, but uh, and, and we've done podcasts together. Uh, I guess I could. I, I guess I should say I owe this to Vince. There you go, Vince. Nice shout out for you. But uh, <laughs> you know, the issue also is is that as individuals, we will never be the perfect individual that we we need to be if every if, if everybody could let go of drama and that includes myself um th this world would certainly be uh a lot safer a lot less stressful probably a lot more pleasant especially on the internet which is yeah things are things are actually pretty good i mean like people are going to complain about bad things that might happen but really looking objectively at the situation in the world it's uh like everybody has access to fresh water you know, nearly everyone's out of poverty. You know, the the draft trend is up. Is is what I'm saying, and and people seem to act like it's going down, right? Yeah, but you know what? That is, see, if you're taking a step back and you're looking at the world, and you know, and that's what we're both doing, you can see. It. But when you're invested in it. When you focus on the negatives and not the positives, all you're going to see is the negatives. You you learned that I'm sure with social work. I learned that as yeah yeah yeah, yeah. In, you, in law you, enforcement. Absolutely. You're, that, that, your your perceptions that, create your reality. You know you you could live in the nicest neighborhood, but if your perception is I have uh, the worst house in this neighborhood and I am I am poor compared to your neighbors, then you're poor. But you could be living better. The ninety percent uh, of the people in your your county, but because of your perception of where you live, you don't feel that, and uh, that is uh, it's a huge part of uh, what you take. That, that is the baggage that is so hard to change. A lot of times, it, it is that perception, and that applies to to people in uh, in RPGs too, and uh, what they it's the whole thing of bad wrong fun. You know, you're not playing the game the right way. 
Therefore, I'm a big proponent of telling people they're not playing the game the right way. Okay. No, I mean, I mean, that's. It, it, I, I think that. Um, I think that anybody can do anything they want in their house. You know, like you can play flag football out in your backyard. Nobody's going to care. Right. But I do think that there is kind of an objective way to play most games, and and you can because they're flexible. You can do things outside of that. But I, I think a large part of what I'm communicating is about you know what satisfying play is and how to generate it. And that doesn't mean other people can't do the same. But I, I think that um, you can both respect people's right and also make objective statements. Like it's, a, it's it, the thing is, is that everything we're talking about is, is nuanced and uh, narratives and positions and stances and teams don't thrive on nuance. They thrive on straw men and, and anger and, you know, attention and that stuff like that. I just think I found the communities a lot better when you move away from that. Are you, have you been, are you familiar with Twitch? Have you been watching Twitch a lot? I'm familiar with Twitch, but I've really only uh, turned in much when, uh, oh, the guys up in, uh, what is it, Maine do their uh, their benefits, uh, was it the uh, weekend of nonstop gaming? I forget what they, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I for those I of you that are listening that don't know, it's really about communities, right? Like, I, I found that uh, when I started blogging, I became part of the blogging community in the um, mid-2010s or whatever. But uh, when you get on Twitch, you see that really what it is is it's a bunch of people in their houses. And it's a lot like going down the street and walking into people's houses. And somebody will be singing and somebody else will be painting. And you, you know the people in the chat rooms. And it becomes kind of like uh, uh, a community, right? Like a street where you're like a street of bars. You know what I'm talking about, where you go in and you mm -hmm. know people and they're out. It's just like that, except online and, and much less alcohol or whatever. So I, I found it really conducive for, for gaming and talking about gaming. Um, I definitely think that Bezos has plans for Twitch to be big, and I definitely think that we're going to see more live streaming and online type community and interaction that we're seeing there uh, moving forward the next couple of years in relation to Google Plus dying and communities moving on. Yeah, the uh, Google Plus uh, kill switch is uh, a bit of a shit show. Absolutely, it is. It's been it's been uh, a mess since they started it. It's been since they started, but the moment they uh, they took Google Hangouts and separated from Google Plus, I, I knew Google Plus's lifespan was limited. But uh, to not have a way to save Google Plus comments on the blogs that use Google Plus for commenting because Google pushed it on Blogger, uh, that that is a, it's a horror show for a lot of these blogs. It's that brutal. Ha that have a lot of communication going on, a lot of great conversations, and now they are, you know, you know. Uh, I mean, naturally, like organically, like you know how we're all different. I'm a grognard. Like if what I have is working, I don't need a new thing. And so when they were like that, I'm like, no, I'm not getting on that boat. Like you can tell, like when your boat's sinking and another boat is like yeah. there, you can step off. But that wasn't happening. Like I was fine in no. my boat. It wasn't going away. Keeping my comments right there on Blogger. Uh, yeah, it sucks, man. And, and, and like, you know, uh, it, it, there's going to be another 15 or 20 years 
until we really define the role of social media in the new human society. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of adding a new dimension uh, to everything. And I, I know I had people, I got pushback when I had mentioned about Facebook, where it's like, well, listen, uh, if if you feel you need to unfriend me, unfriend me. It doesn't hurt me because uh, it's not like a friendship in the face-to-face world where I know you, we talk, we drink together, we play games together, we socialize like that. You're reading my feed, and I understand that they call it friends, friends on Facebook, but I don't define it as the same as a friendship that's face-to-face in most cases. And I had a pushback from some few, few people on that that see it as friendship. And yeah, no, it it's you know, it's definitely not that. The yeah. So it's going to be interesting how this stuff changes with my son's generation. And how, uh, I mean, with my son, I get more text messages than I will ever get a phone call from him. So that that is certainly uh, a change from my generation, which is still phone calls. Although there's a lot of Facebook messaging going on too, I guess you could say. But yeah, yeah, the the, the Facebook, all that, all the social media stuff. I had like there was, there's, you know, people act. Um, in groups they 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 form uh contingents and you can tell because uh in i mean there's a lot of secret groups do you know what i'm saying in the in the in the gaming community and and it's not necessarily that they're secret it's just that if you're playing with the same group of people a lot of times there's a lot of communication there and you form cultures and bonds and in these cultures they they don't interact blindly. Like a lot of times they have planned interactions. And so I have people engaged in negative press campaigns against me, for instance. Um, And I want to be clear, the reason that they're engaged in these negative press uh, engagements against me are because I said things like, I have unconditional positive regard for all human beings. And I don't believe that people should fall into extremist narratives. Um, and so those are the, yeah. And, and I think there was a complaint that I was rude and didn't want to listen to somebody tell me why communism was a good economic system. And like, so I'm okay with all those things. Like I'm not a communist, right. But like, um, the, the thing is, is that because I've expressed those ideas, there is organized opposition. And, and don't think that that's not like, everybody's going to justify whatever it is they're doing, but you, you, you can't deny that different groups online act with purpose and intention. And and it's just a truism, right? Like they plan and they, and, and so like I've had waves of people, like somebody will say, Hey, uh, Courtney is a wrong thinker because he associates with known deviants like Alex Marcy or uh, James Raggy. Now, I guess, you know, cause they're my right. publishers, right? These, these are the, weird bearded men in other states and countries that that basically make it possible for me to make a living doing this. And because I'm a wrong thinker, because I associate with the wrong people, they have these coordinated campaigns. You know, I've had them threaten me and tell me that, you know, they're going to make sure that I'm a failure or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you see all that stuff happen on Facebook. Like you'll see, I'll get a wave of people either supporting my Patreon or unfollowing me on Facebook. And you know that these aren't individual events. They're 
these organized power groups attempting to exert political influence, which, you know, I'm all for. Um, but to deny that there's communication or politics or all that kind of stuff going on um, is ridiculous. I really think as a creator, you just have to accept that people are going to do whatever they're going to do and continue an upright, honest, and forthright communication with your audience and be clear and above board about everything. I don't know another way to do it. No, and and you bring up Alex, and I had when I had uh, highlighted one of his recent recent Kickstarters uh, last year, I got a a wave of comments on the blog post uh, accusing me of uh, you know supporting the the right uh, because I shouldn't be posting anything about any <laughs> Alex's work. And okay, like, so like like that's the narrative, right, is that Alex yeah. is this bad person. And so I'm very suspicious because I saw the news articles and I was familiar with what happened to The Escapist and I, I spent a lot of time imagining if I were in Alex's position how I would view things. And a lot of the narrative I was getting wasn't correct. So, you know, I said, fuck all you people. I, I went and I, I said, hey, Alex, can I talk to you? And he was like, oh, man, I love you. And I'm like, well, that's a good start to this conversation. <laughs> but then then we, we talked and I was like, you know, let's talk about this. What about this? What about this? What about this? And then I was like, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's bullshit. Maybe that's just what he says. So I was like, I'm going to come hang out with you for like six months. And like, no, nah, man, like dude is a dude is a his his strong weird ideas and they conflict. He makes a lot of people very angry for understandable reasons. But like. Uh, and, and he, I, like I said, it's exhausting knowing me because I'm always down his throat about anything that, that sounds like bullshit, right? Because everybody has these things that they said, but he's not like I've been, it's been over a year now. He's never said anything hateful. He, he no. knows this wide swath of people and, and of all various, you know, origins and cultures and nationalities. And he's got, you know, like when you, he's willing to answer any questions. I just, obviously after spending some time with him, I learned that well, all the narrative wasn't true. What it is, is, is his politics is that he, uh, was it worked for a time with people who are reprehensible, and when he found out they were reprehensible, he, he stopped working with them as soon as he could, and he's making the best decisions he knows how going forward, and he's got his own personal struggles in life. He's just a people. And like, like when you get to know him, he's like a decent people, and and he, he will answer all the questions. Anybody who think like I just asked him, I said, you know, like, are you a white supremacist? Are you a Nazi? Do you fucking support you know white nationalism? And and like he had really, uh, I think, complex and um, nuanced answers to all of that. But the core thing is, is that none of it comes from hatred or anger or no. racism or a desire to do any sort of harm. So it was just absurd to, to be talking with this human being and, and know that he's like a controversial figure, but then realize that also all these people out there are just saying hateful things because they're angry. Go, go talk to him your fucking self. If you got a problem, right? Don't come onto your blog and be like, Oh, you shouldn't talk about this because I've decided he's a wrong thinker. Like man acts is great. And, well, it's, and it's, it's great, not in spite of his beliefs, but I think in part because of them, you know? Oh, the, the, the economic system that's in there and the, the, the turnover of the body and a lot of other nuanced parts to the system are, are awesome. And like I said, when I, it was, a, I don't know, three or four comments, like right away. So he knew it was an, org, it was an organized show. 
And it's the reason why I had to put the uh, blog side to uh, comment moderation, which I don't like doing. But uh, I'm, it, it was my what I had to do in reaction to that. But if if you know me, the one thing that I I don't handle very well, and when I say I don't handle it very well, it means that you're not going to get the reaction that you want to get from me if you're going to try it, is to tell me how to think and what to do. Okay. Yeah, right. I, I also I, am I oppositional. I, yeah, yeah. You, you tell me what to think, what to do. I'm going to give you a good, good old fuck you, uh, okay? Because you're entitled to your opinion. I respect that you have an opinion. I might not agree with your opinion, but if you are going to give me your opinion, you should at least have the courtesy to respect mine. Not agree with it. Not saying you have to, but you should respect it. And don't come into my home and tell me how to arrange my furniture. Yeah, I, I think you definitely don't have a right to tell somebody else what to do themselves. But I, I do think you can address opinions that are incorrect. Like, like I'm willing to answer questions, um, even excessive ones, you know. And, and I think that, um, I think that that's, that's important. You know, like I, I, I take a very active role in trying to make the world a better place in a direct way, which is why I'm the type of person to go uh, like straight up and confront somebody and be like, is what, can I get your side of the story? What's happening here? What's going on? You know? Um, and I think that that's, that's healthiest. Uh, but the problem is, is that you know, people are very invested in what they already think and believe. Yeah. It, it, it's spot on. And, uh, like I said, uh, I, I I try I, I try to have empathy for all opinions and all perspectives. Not necessarily sympathy, because but I try to understand at least where somebody's coming from. And if you and if you're gonna make a comment like 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 uh, telling me how I, I I should be thinking, at least explain yourself as opposed to just telling me that I'm fucking wrong because. That is just uh, not the way you're going to get a good response. <laughs> oh man, Courtney, we, we've we've covered uh, the world and then some on this one. Well, I I'm I'm a big gamer. I have a lot of opinions. Uh, you know, and I I think that is I think that's why, generally speaking, um, when we form our 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 game groups, you know, they, they, they form organically. They form generally uh, building upon uh, friendships and stuff like that. And people may have different opinions on, on, on world issues, but uh, just like any other social group, I, I think like a gaming group uh, that can ha handle that stuff is the ones that last and it's the ones that uh, let these issues come to the forefront are often the ones that are, are, are short-lived. That's been my experience. And, uh, wow. I, I, I'm, I, I hate to say it, man, but I'm exhausted from today. Like I was telling you, it's very exhausting knowing me. I have a lot of compulsive energy, which is one of the reasons I'm very productive. Uh, if you're wow. interested in the things I produce, uh, please make sure and check out hackslashmaster.com at Blogspot and my Patreon at Hack and Slash on Patreon. And feel free to get at me at Twitter or um, sign up for my newsletter or follow me in Twitch, join my Discord. 
uh, please, if, if you're interested in the things I'm doing and things I'm saying, I draw extremely detailed uh, fantasy maps. Uh, you know, I'm a professional illustrator. If you have work, you know, you'd like to see some of my art in your work or you'd like me to write something for you, get in touch. I have, uh, I have a lot of bills to pay. So feel free to give me as much of your money uh, and time as you have available. You won't regret it. Um, I promise. I, I've been following Courtney's stuff for years on his blog. Uh, it is if you go read that blog, it's 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 going to be a, not necessarily a rabbit hole, but you're going to spend a lot of time catching. I, it. I, there are over a million words on there, and and I do have um I do have a a relatively uh, well organized index, and I have collections of my blog work available on Drive Through RPG Now. I have a Drive Through RPG Now storefront, a storefront on Lulu, so um, you can get links uh, for all that stuff associated with the podcast right ten car yes i'm gonna i'm gonna put together a lot of links for uh courtney's blog courtney's storefront and uh anything else you want to send me just uh courtney just yeah send me, i i, I i've got a bunch of exciting stuff coming out um i think on today on my blog i posted a video advertisement for hexplorer which is pretty cool um, it's a supplement that has highly detailed pictures of a hex and things that are in it. I also write a zine called Mega Dungeon, which is uh, a tool both to publish Newman Hala, my personal OSR Mega Dungeon that I've been running for a couple decades now, and also to encourage other people to run large dungeons and provide ideas for what dungeon spaces are like and how you're supposed to manage. Um, parties in mega dungeons and thoughts on running mega dungeons in 5e and various other things if that's of interest to anybody oh good stuff well folks i i will have the links uh when i put up this cast you will find it in the show notes uh courtney my god thank you for joining me today thank you brother uh i'm all we all live together uh, uh this was uh a, a great chat and uh I'm very glad we were able to get the time to do this because if you're going to listen to just one episode of the podcast, this might be the one you had to listen to. <laughs> That's very kind, sir. Um, I I broadcast two or three to four times a week on Twitch. So if you like my eclectic views, you can hear hours of them with pleasant, relaxing music while I draw beautiful pictures, if that sounds like something you'd like. And if you're listening to this podcast, it probably is, man. The pictures are yeah, all about Dungeons know. and Dragons. There you go. It could be very zen-like, maybe, maybe meditative. I don't know if you've caught my stream, but it is uh, very calming. Yeah, I have, I have anxiety myself, and I try and live as simple and low-stress a life as possible. Well, that works. Well, again, Courtney, thank you, folks. Thank you. I, Thank uh, you, sir. As always, be safe. God bless. Roll your dice well. And uh, I'll be back again tomorrow, folks. Later.